haven't I have to start over? <laughs> you said the recorder wasn't on, so but this will be very interesting for the people listening online. So I'd like to welcome uh, one of our priests from right here in Rapid City. Uh, your home parish is the cathedral, also my home parish, but he's over at Blessed Sacrament Church now. We call it the dark side. So, <laughs> um, but doing good work over there. So please welcome Father Grant Gerlach. It is closer to the hill, so there is more shade over there So earlier in the day, so I guess that's how you can make it that analogy work. But uh, let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of this day, for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you have poured into our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. Grant us the grace to be open, to to receive this gift again at this time. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon me, your servant. Allow your words to be spoken and to truly inspire those who hear your words. We place before you all our cares and worries, anxieties, fears, and entrust them to your providence and to your care. We ask that you would continue to console us in your presence in our lives. We ask all these things and we make this prayer in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, for those of you who know me, my, I, my brevity, brevity is not my specialty, so I may have to stop somewhere in the meanderings of a new, newly ordained, newly-ish ordained priest. So, um, but I'm here uh, to kind of uh, give you my story, uh, which I've done for a couple, a couple of times recently. For some, this will be new. For some, this will be something you heard just the other day. So, um, and for those online, who knows? So, uh, like Susan said, I grew up here in Rapid. I was born and raised here about a mile east of the cathedral and the hospital, and my parents still live in the house I grew up in. Uh, all my siblings, my two brothers and sisters, they all did a mass exodus out of South Dakota, and I'm the only one that remained, so I uh, stayed home uh, where I grew up. Um, just to tell you a, bit, a little bit about my uh, upbringing, um, and one of the things that kind of connects to my story um, in my faith journey with the Lord is my love for baseball. Absolutely love baseball. I still do. I loved it uh, even in a more tense way when I was younger because I was actually playing it back then. Um, and so I always grew up with this intense love uh, for this sport. And so much so that I had this uh, great uh, identity or kind of um, union with with, uh, baseball, right? So when I would kind of consider who I was, I would always consider myself in the context of baseball. And that's how I kind of considered, looked at myself as a baseball player. 
And um, when I got to college, however, I pretty, I pretty quickly found out that college was going to be my ceiling. Uh, so the kind of dreams that I had as a younger boy were kind of uh, put to rest and uh, dashed at that kind of revelation that this is kind of it for me for baseball and kind of pursuing a dream to be kind of uh, make it to the big leagues and whatnot. And that dream kind of came to a kind of a screeching and crashing halt one day. I remember being on our practice field, and I was a pitcher, and I was playing long toss with uh, one of my uh, good friends on the team. And so long toss is basically you're just throwing a baseball really f- at a very far distance, right? So you have to throw it really hard, right? And I noticed one time that when I threw the ball, uh, my elbow felt like it was on fire. And I had never experienced that before. And I was like, well, that's odd and new, and wonder what that's about. As my uh, teammate threw the ball back, I caught it, and I threw it again. The same thing happened. And I was like, well, there's something wrong here, apparently. And so I went to have it go checked out, and I had a bone spur on my elbow, which a bone spur is a calcium deposit on the bone, and that rubs up against the ligament, and it irritates it a lot. Um kind of knowing that this was my ceiling, the options were kind of rehab and or eventually maybe surgery. Uh, Since I knew this was kind of my ceiling, it was kind of like, well, why have the surgery and go through that kind of grueling rehab? And it kind of struck me one day in my uh, dorm room that I really didn't know who I was going to be anymore. I had this kind of crisis of identity, maybe something that perhaps you hear in a cliched way as um, happening in a midlife crisis for men, right? So this crisis happened to me in my college years. And it wasn't until many years later that this uh, kind of crisis of identity came uh, to be uh, spoken to in a real way uh, by the Lord in my life. Little hints of it along the way, but uh, really spoken to me in an intense way, uh, just less than 10 years ago, actually, so fairly new. I remember being so upset about this that I uh, broke a couple things in my dorm room. I punched an exit sign in the hallway of my dorm, and I left my dorm room building distraught, and I didn't know where to go, so I jumped in my car and just started driving around. So distraught was I that I, at one point I said, you know what, it wouldn't be so bad if I just drove my car into this tree. And something kind of struck me and said, well, if you fail at that, you'll just have a wrecked car and two angry parents. And so something kind of led me not to do that. And the only place that I could figure out to go at that point was the Newman Center on campus. Out of all the places I could have gone, I was directed towards the Newman Center. As I got there, I tried to find somebody in the Newman Center, but nobody was there. I couldn't find anyone. I couldn't find the chaplain. I couldn't find the, the kind of like the focus missionary before there were focus missionaries that was living there at the time. And the only place I kind of and I ended up going was the last pew in our in the Newman Center chapel. And I didn't really un- realize until later that that's where Jesus was in the very presence of our Lord in the chapel. And I just remember, you know, just kind of laying back on one of the back pews and just kind of crying because I was just, what the heck is my life going to be, right? 
I don't know who I am right now. And so a very, dis, a very uh, distraught event in my life happened in, um, I think it was my sophomore year in college. So I, I graduated college and uh, went out into the work world and worked for about five or six years. It's always hard to remember how many years I was in the work field. Um, but my last three years I was in Spearfish and Father Tim Hoig was uh, noticing a lot of things about me as I was uh, being a sponsor for RCIA and learning the kind of the faith again uh, in my older, older years uh, as a young adult. And he kept noticing these things and he eventually got to the point where he said, you know what, you would make a good candidate for the seminary. And I remember that well because I was walking through the Denver Inter International Airport and I heard it on a voicemail that he left me. And I was like, well, that's an interesting way to start a vacation. I was actually going to Phoenix for vacation to see my older brother. And when I got back from the vacation, <clears throat> I came up to Father Hoig and I said, you know, what is seminary? I don't think I've ever heard that word before, even. Maybe he had a little inkling, but that just I have no idea what that entails, right? And so we had this good long conversation. He was kind of telling me about the seminary and seminary life, and he was also telling me about all these qualities that he saw in me that I couldn't see in myself. And he was saying, you know, you're this, you're that, the other. And I was like, I'm not this or that, the other. I don't see that in me. Um, but he kind of pointed those out to me and was able to kind of illuminate those things for me. Uh, and then as I started kind of pondering the priesthood some more after this kind of initial conversation with him, uh, I started making comparisons to Father Hoy. Because I was noticing how well he was teaching RCIA. I was noticing how well, in, in my opinion, you know, he was able to preach and be a presider at Mass and just all the things that he was doing and I was kind of comparing myself to him and I was noticing like I can never bridge that gap I can never be him right and so I was kind of getting paralyzed by the thought of I'll never be Father Hoig right some may say that's a good thing some may say that's not right um, but I was looking at his good qualities right in my opinion and I was like well I I'll never get there right and then I, I was telling him this, and we had a second long talk, and I remember the thing that he told me was, you know, God really doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. That really struck, stuck with me. And now it's even more so in my priesthood, right? That whatever he calls me to, he has to equip me. I can't do this without him. Uh, the second thing that he said was just to kind of take the, what's the next step? You know, to kind of look at things from this large gap to just what's the next step? I said, well, that, that helps, because what is the next step? Just, okay. Not to look at priesthood from where I was even before seminary, but just what's the next step in my discernment? And um, so he helped me kind of bridge that gap and kind of have that paralyzing kind of thinking kind of uh, go away, I remember. Uh, he got me uh, connected with Father Christensen, who was the vocations director at the time, and he sent me a book called Peter on the Shore. Peter on the Shore, as I remember it, um, is a story about this encounter of Peter with the Lord on the shore of the Sea of Galilee after his resurrection. And the author was kind of writing about this encounter, but at the end of the chapters, he would kind of give some excuses men used to not go to the seminary. 
And as I was reading those excuses, I was like, yep, that's one of those that I'm using. And there's another one. There's another one. Yep, that's me. I'm using that one too. And I was, I, was, I was reading one chapter at a time at one sitting. And I, all I remember about reading those chapters was that when I was done and when the author had kind of deconstructed my excuses, I wasn't upset or angry. All I, all I remember was that I was extremely at peace. I was extremely at peace with uh, how things kind of turned out at the end of the chapter. And I, I noticed that that was something, there was something in there that was kind of speaking to me that if there's peace here after somebody's just kind of deconstructed an, an excuse I had, that it has to be kind of part of that discerning of a call to priesthood. And then eventually the next step I said was, you know, I'm not sure, but I think he might be. I better go find out. I better go find out. At that point, I hadn't really pursued marriage as, as something that was deep in my heart, a deep desire in my heart, or even dating, right? So I said, well, you know, it might be the case where he's called me to priesthood. I'm not sure yet. He might be. But I think I better go to the seminary to find out. And so the next step was just applying with the seminary. And I remember meeting with the bishop one, at one point, and I met with him for about 30 minutes, and I had never really sat down and talked with uh, Bishop Supich at that time. And I just remember talking with him for 30 minutes. It was like my first kind of substantial conversation with Bishop, bishop Supich. And at the end of it, I was like, that, that was it? That's, that's, that's all you want to know from me? 30 minutes worth of a conversation? And the next day in the mail, I got a letter that says, you're in. And I was kind of shocked. I was just like, well, pff, what did I say? I didn't say anything, you know, spectacular. I, I don't know, what, what did I do? Like, it was one of those things that get like, pff, apparently they're seeing something in me that I can't see because I didn't say anything spectacular. Right? And I remember going to visit two seminaries and interviewing to, to St. Paul Seminary, and they accepted my application and and uh, in the fall of 2008, I entered seminary in uh, the St. Paul Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. Left my job, which was kind of a uh, kind of a, a little difficult thing to do because I, I was enjoying what I was doing at that time, where I was working. I was going from a place of familiarity to a place of really like unfamiliarity. Like I don't know what seminary is even yet. Right, Father Tahoe gave me a good idea, but I haven't really been there and experienced it the way I would. So unfamiliar territory to me. First two years of seminary, in my experience, were really rough because it was a lot of philosophy. And it was a lot of uh, accessing kind of like a different part of my brain. And so it was just like, ah. Oh. It, it was kind of a big struggle because I was adjusting to seminary life to kind of discerning priesthood in a more intense way. And then in the summer between my second and third years in seminary is where the Lord really spoke to my heart. Um, the diocese sent me to uh, the Institute for Priestly Formation in Omaha, Nebraska on the campus of Creighton University. And it, within the first week, they had us do an eight-day silent retreat, and I had never done a one-day silent retreat. <laughs> and they said, during these eight days, you will do four holy hours. And I was like, well, geez, I can't even do one holy hour very well. So four holy hours in one day, I don't know what I'm even going to pray about in those four hours. 
And they had us pray on a passage that really struck me kind of initially, and that was the passage of the baptism of Jesus. And as I was praying with that uh, and speaking with my spiritual director during this eight-day silent retreat, uh, it finally came to a point where my director said, you know, pray as one of the persons in the passage. And as I was praying with this passage again, I was praying as the person of Jesus. And I was hearing these words being spoken to me by the Father, the Heavenly Father's voice booming from the heavens as Jesus rises up out of the water. And these words were so profound in me that I actually put them on my priesthood card, my holy card for my ordination. And these words were, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. And it just kind of struck to the heart of that... uh, crisis of identity that plagued me since my college years. And for the first time, I kind of really understood that this was the firm foundation I could lay my life on. Because this is something that can never be robbed from me. The Lord will never take this away from me. I can only reject it if I choose to. That summer and that experience, that prayer, that one prayer experience, that one summer, really set me on a firmer foundation to kind of pursue my discernment of of, uh, priesthood. So much so that the the next four years were a very enjoyable experience with their struggles and difficulties, yes, but they were very enjoyable. And uh, the Lord, you know, called me through those four years, confirmed that call more and more because seminary formation was just revealing to me the goodness of the priestly heart of Christ. And so attractive was that to me that I just kind of more more and more confirmed my call. Along with my formators who said, well, you know, you have this good quality and that good quality and you're growing here and growing there. And I'm like, really? Again, I was kind of like, I don't see these in myself, but you're seeing these in me. And so I was trusting in what they were saying about me just as I trusted in Father Hoig kind of initially. And uh, so, uh, six years after I entered seminary, uh, the bishop called me to holy orders, ordained less than two years ago. Um, And uh, the Lord has just confirmed that call to priesthood more and more in my life. And uh, it's been an enjoyable year and a half with its struggles and difficulties, yes. Uh, But it's still... Uh, a reflection and a daily living in the goodness of the priestly heart of Christ that I know in some ways, right, his priestly heart and I just want to be responsive to that as best I can each day so that I can really be his uh, instrument that he can play to play this beautiful melody of grace for his people that we call the Holy Church. And uh, still growing into that, kind of figuring out how to live that out in a parish setting, which is much different from a seminary setting, but uh, just really enjoying most of that, even though it comes with its good measure of sorrows, too, as well. Um, So that's kind of like a fast-tracked, compressed, summarized as best I can, maybe version of my uh, call to priesthood, my vocation story. Um, There's other experiences in there that I... Uh, really formed me, but that one experience that I had that one summer was really so foundational in my life uh, that it's really set me on a firm foundation uh, in my uh, identity 
as in Christ, as the beloved Son of the Father. And this is something that really propels me uh, to be able to be that same instrument to speak those kind of same words of grace to those who come uh, and approach the Lord for that same healing grace of his life-giving words. So, there's a little bit about my life uh, in 15 or 20 minutes or less, and it was all free, so. <laughs> all right, thank you very much, Father. Thank mm -hmm. you for saying yes to the Lord, to the call to priesthood. We're very grateful to have him. I know all of these Blessed Sacrament folks that I see in the room are very grateful uh, to have you too. So thank you, Father. You're welcome. You can hear this and all of our podcasts at theflamerc.com. So check those out and come back uh, next month. First Thursday in March, we'll be back here with another flame. Uh, I do have to tell you that we are canceling April and May because there is going to be a Life in the Spirit seminar uh, seven week seven week seminar um, on Thursday nights here in place of that. So I encourage you to come to the Life in the Spirit seminar uh, instead of the flame. Uh, you can sign up, you can register for Life in the Spirit online now at the Terra Sancta Retreat Center website, terrasancta.org. So go there, check it out, uh, come to Life in the Spirit. But first, we'll be back in March, so, uh, so join us in March and listen online. Uh, hang around as long as you like, have some drinks, uh, enjoy yourselves, and uh, have a good evening. Thanks.